You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. There are several prominent points of disagreement in today's health reform debate, but one area of general accord involves hospital readmissions. We can and must do much better in coordinating the discharge and follow-up process for admissions and readmissions. And this is going to improve outcomes for our patients. As we embark on a campaign to reduce unnecessary readmissions, there are lessons in policymaking, cost savings, and efficiency that should help us in other areas of reform as well. Our guest today is Dr. Don Berwick, President and Chief Executive Officer for the Institute for Healthcare Improvement based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Welcome, Don. Thanks a lot. It's nice to be here. Can you give us an idea of how extensive the problem of bounce-back hospital readmissions really are? It's pretty big. It's one of the great examples of a gap between what science knows and what we actually execute. We have, for Medicare alone, a very high proportion of people who go home with chronic illnesses like congestive heart failure are back in the hospital within 60 or 90 days. I think the number can be as high as 40% bounce back within 90 days. This is very likely due to defects in their care or to opportunities missed to keep them where they want to be, which is at home. And this is obviously, you know, estimated to be in the hundred billion or more of if you take all the hospital payments in Medicare, probably seventeen to twenty billion dollars of that is money that could be saved and reallocated somewhere else. Given that cardiology is a, is a huge target, heart failure, actually readmissions following uh, percutaneous procedures and heart attacks are bad too. What are some of the other issues that are probably high on the target list? I think post-surgical complications, late complications of surgery probably play, play a hand. But virtually almost any chronic disease, which after all explains about 70% of the costs in American healthcare and a lot of the burden of suffering, almost any chronic disease is a setup for people to fall victim to lack of continuity when they go home from the hospital. I know that IHI and you as well as others have been looking at some of the lessons learned out there in terms of past efforts to reduce unplanned readmissions. What do you see that has been successful among these efforts and what hasn't worked? What hasn't worked is exhortation. I don't think doctors want the patients to bounce back and I don't think it's in anyone's interest for that to happen. So what doesn't work is just asking people to try harder. That, that, that's, not gonna, that's not gonna do it. What has worked is thinking of the patient's journey as a whole instead of offering care in fragments or specific locations only, managing the journey as it were through time and space. And doing that with resources that allow healthcare, health professionals, and coaches to reach out into the home, into the community, with the family. Fortunately, we have great research on this. Uh, my first encounter, I think, was with Greg Fonero's study published back in the late 1990s, where he was able to demonstrate an 85% reduction in readmissions for congestive heart failure through a highly coordinated but not too expensive set of resources that reach into the patient's home, use home monitoring, education visiting nurses, and team, team-based care. That's the secret, creating integrated care out of a fragmented system. That's going to be one of the big challenges of health system reform if we hopefully get a bill here soon. Well, tell us something about the hospital-to-home H2H initiative. What are the aims of the project, and when does it launch, and what can we expect to see? It's a thrilling project, and my hat is off to the American College of Cardiology for its leadership here. ACC is a brilliant example of a specialty organization that's really trying to take responsibility for what really matters, which is patients and willing to think out of the box and across the continuum. 
the H2H project is an attempt to improve transitions from inpatient to outpatient settings for people who are hospitalized with cardiovascular disease. And the goal is, primary goal is to reduce readmission rates for any cause from, for people discharged with heart failure or post-acute myocardial infarction. The aim right now is to try to get that readmission rate down by 20% by December 2012, although I actually think even more gains are, are quite plausible. We're using modern quality improvement methods and tools, the mainstay methods that the Institute for Healthcare Improvement has been working with throughout the world for 20 years now, and that ACC is very familiar with because it has also conducted many other large-scale projects trying to improve care. The attempt is to involve the entire nation. This is a very ambitious project, and, and I have a dream that uh, every single hospital in the country, every healthcare system would be engaged in this project right away. It stands to benefit patients and families an enormous amount. We're on the verge of an era in which we can use registries and, and actually track our progress in improving quality of care in, in these kinds of areas. It's an exciting time in that regard. Well, you know, I'm thinking about the door-to-balloon project where variation on the, the time it takes to treat a STEMI myocardial infarction. This is a much bigger and more ambitious project. A lot more coordination will happen. But what kinds of coordinated transitions are we going to start with here in this project as we bring hospitals and physicians, communities into the project? Well, first, the Door to Balloon project, D2B, was a brilliant project, very successful, involving many, many locations and benefiting patients. But in a way, it was dealing with only a piece of the action, one particular process across one part of the continuum. The H2H project is more ambitious. It embraces a larger part of the healthcare system. This begins at even before the patient's admitted to the hospital, let alone discharged, with a sense that the patient is arriving already with everyone mindful that this is a person who hopefully is going to return to the community and be able to stay in the community as long and as healthily as they possibly can. So it's thinking outside the building that counts. The resources that are brought to bear to help keep people at home are, are way outside the hospital as the, as the focus. It involves, of course, the family, the social system of the patient, the ability to manage data across the continuum, as you said, a registry may be absolutely essential to make progress in this case, and it's multidisciplinary. Physicians alone can't possibly do this. In fact, I don't even think they're the leaders in this case, really. It's nurses and home health aides and the home health care community and patient educators and others, so this is going to have to involve team-based thinking. It's very, very edgy. It's not just a team, but it's a team that consists of people in many different locations. Kaiser Permanente, an organization I greatly admire, has brought in a modern information system in, into its heart now, and, and from early on, it used the concept home as the hub as a kind of organizing principle for design. That's kind of what H2H is going to need to do, begin to regard the home as the hub instead of the hospital as the hub, and that's what's going to keep people healthy and with their families. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Dr. Don Berwick, President and Chief Executive Officer for the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, or IHI, and we're discussing efforts to reduce unnecessary hospital admissions. You know, can you sort of go through a patient case example where H2H could prevent readmission? We're talking about the home as the hub and thinking really out of the box in terms of how we deal with admissions in patient care. So how do you see this happening around a patient? Mrs. Jones is 72 years old, and she's frail, has diabetes, and has had a heart attack, and she's in chronic congestive heart failure. She lives alone. Her daughter's across town and cares about her, but is unable to be there all the time. And she has a deterioration, comes into the hospital, and is helped and brought back to function that's going to allow her to go home. Now, what happens to her next? If she returns to home, 
without a new set of support, she's going to bounce again. She needs a care plan that she's agreed to and that makes sense given her social context. That care plan has to be in the hands, hopefully, of a primary care source out in her community, of a visiting nurse, of a home health care system that's going to help her get back into her home. Her home may need to be prepared for her, so we may need to do some physical changes to help her thrive when she's there. Her daughter's going to need help. She has a full-time job and two children, and she's going to need some coaching as to how best to help the mother. When Mrs. Jones goes home, if we're smart, we may be able to equip her with monitoring devices and signaling technologies at home that are going to allow her to do some self-management, weighing herself, reporting in on what's going on with her breathing and her, her stamina and her weight. And that information has to go somewhere that understands it's coming in, is going to search for it, it's missing, and interpret it as soon as it arrives. What we're going to do is get ahead of the game with Mrs. Jones with her cooperation, training her to help her take care of herself better, training her daughter, and being there for her outside the hospital will be able to know when she's starting to lose it again, and we're going to prevent the next hospitalization. We really need to strike the word discharge you know, from our vocabulary in terms of how hospitals and physicians transition patients. Uh, it's, it's really a transition that we're looking for. So Mrs. Jones actually probably would benefit if somebody, a nurse from the hospital staff, actually went home with her to make sure the environment was safe, to make sure that she has the meds that she needs and she knows how to take them, just and, and even to be there for the next week or longer until there's a, an actual handoff to a medical home practice in the community that's agreed to take on the care. Do you think that's possible, that we can get that kind of system going between hospitals and community practice? Sure it is. And you think about it, it'll be more satisfying work for the workforce. I think that nurse that you imagine doing that is now a much more effective helper to the person that she's there to help in the first place. And you're right, Jack, giving up the idea of discharge of the hospitals is this discontinuous element in the system where once the patient leaves, they're out of sight and maybe even out of mind. Giving up that notion is going to be a really, really important change. You earlier mentioned how this interacts with healthcare reform. It's central to healthcare reform. If we can't design healthcare payment, healthcare training, support systems, monitoring, reporting, measurement in this view of the continuum, well, we're just going to end up not reforming healthcare at all, just paying for a system we have now, which is plenty of defects. It, it's very exciting, and, and we know scientifically that it can be done. That's the other good part here. This is not high-in-the-sky thinking. These are, there are experiments and demonstration projects that have been around for 20 years that actually envision how this could work, and it echoes way outside cardiology. H2H is a very important arena, heart attacks and congestive heart failure, but as you said earlier, this is about social need for good care for people who have needs that, that aren't going to go away. It really is a system change that we need to make. And as you said earlier, uh, we've got some integrated systems out there that have already begun this work in a, in a variety of ways. And now the challenge is to get the 85% of American medicine that isn't integrated into some kind of virtual integration so this goes. I think that beyond the dealing with the illness that returns a patient to a hospital, we could sort of begin to understand how uh, this is going to benefit patients and families as well. But probably that part of the system change hasn't really been thought about very much either in terms of how we organize the care of, of people that it's undertaken by themselves and their families in a new way. So you have any thoughts about that? Sure. Well, we speak glibly of patient-centered care, which is such a crucial idea. Patient-centered care in the end means putting control and power and knowledge and choice into the hands of people we serve. They're the boss. And enlisting their help and their knowledge and their competence and their commitment 
to themselves and their families in the whole overall care system is a, is a very important, vital component of integration. And the research, again, is very strong here. When patients are more thoroughly involved in decisions that affect them, when they have more knowledge and competence in their own illnesses, you can just see the outcomes improve. And, by the way, the healthcare workforce, the doctors and nurses are more satisfied with their work because they now have this whole new abundant resource of intelligence to work with. The potential leverage on both cost and quality is, is phenomenal. How to bring that into the, as you said, the 85%, the mainstream of American healthcare, where we really don't at the moment have integrated structures, is the big challenge, I think, for reform It's going to, if it's going to be worth the name. You, know, you and I have had a number of conversations about how payment reform and, and delivery system reform might, might occur. It seems as if, if we could find a way to move beyond the archaic fee-for-service system we have now, and really look for ways to provide rewards for doctors, for hospitals, for the whole system, for improving health in a systematic way. We'd be on that path. That's going to be tough. I mean, as we talk about reducing readmissions, you know, the CFO of, of a hospital system is going to see that as a reduction in the bottom line. So we've got to transition everybody to looking at how we get paid in healthcare as doctors, as hospitals, and actually the cost implications for us as patients as well. How do you see that developing? Complex area, of course. Uh, uh, first, I th- absolutely, we, we pay for fragments now and we get fragments. We need to find a way to pay in a much more integrated way for what we care about, which is health and value in, in, in healthcare. I don't think fee-for-service is up to the job. I think it's a dinosaur, and we've, we've got to manage our way out of the fee-for-service world. That's going to be very, very hard. It's a major change for, for everybody. You're right. We have hospitals now that uncork champagne when they're, when they're full and call it a crisis when their occupancy goes down. Well, that's backwards. We, want a hosp- we, we would love to have a system in our country, wouldn't we, where hospitals celebrate being empty because they're not needed. And to do that is going to take fundamental payment reform. IHI is the biggest research area we call the triple aim. And the triple aim refers to the goals of better care, better health for communities, and lower per capita cost. And we need our contention is we need parties and agents, responsible parties, who have the triple aim in mind, better care, better health, and lower cost at the same time. But that's not going to be a hospital trying to stay full. That'll be a hospital trying to become empty. So that's going to involve payment change. I personally regard payment change as important maybe even necessary, but very far from sufficient because we don't pair it with other changes and, most importantly, connecting it back to professionalism. How can practitioners join in this effort and find out more about H2H? The website for the program is www.h2hquality.org. That's www.h2hquality.org. Thanks very much for being with us today. We've been learning more about how we can reduce unnecessary hospital readmissions with Dr. Don Berwick. Don, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you, Jack. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.